are listening to the Weird Sisters, Harry Potter Reread, Episode 61. On today's show, we discuss Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Chapters 19, 20, and 21. Hello and welcome to the Weird Sisters. I'm Danielle. And I'm Allison. Okay, so what happened last time? Lots of stuff. Everything's, lots of stuff is happening every time now. <laughs> um... Except I don't remember what happened. <laughs> Bethilda. Oh, yes. We went to Godric's Hollow. Terrible things happened. And then we read Rita's book. Yeah. Oh, and we saw the letter from Dumbledore. Yes. Dumbledore, Grindelwald. It's a bad situation. Maybe a, a gray area. Well, <laughs> they're in an emotionally bad situation. Okay, fair. And Ron's still gone. Yes. Okay, so, I mean, they, they're back to their old routine of not knowing what in the world they're doing with themselves. It's really, like, what's the move? I don't know. You got any bright ideas? I think they need to do something besides just sitting around. Well, what do you want him to do? Okay, well, the only thing that makes sense, we talked about this, is Hogwarts. And so they should at least, like, try and connect with their allies there, you know? Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know that, <laughs> that there's significance there. But I think they could also... They've also inferred themselves without reading the end of the book that Hogwarts might be important. <laughs> but they, so now that it's just Harry and Hermione, they've now taken to disapparating under their cloak because they feel like they've been hearing people messing about in the forest. Yeah, they're definitely on high alert. Well, they are hearing people. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Poor Ron. Um... So they're doing that, and one night Harry takes the watch because, you know, he's all angsty. <laughs> Using Hermione's wand, of course, because Harry Harry's is broken. And he sees a Patronus, a silver doe. It's like he doesn't recognize that it's a Patronus. I mean, at least it's never named at, right at, until after yes. by Hermione. He does see, I think he does say it later on, but you're right, like, in that scene where he's seeing this strange thing, I don't think he says, oh, that's a Patronus. Right. And thus, someone must have cast it. Yes, it's all very, perhaps this is a bad word to use, but it's all very magical, the scene. <laughs> yeah, and, like, he has, it's mostly this feeling, but, and maybe that's why she doesn't call it out. Because if it's like, oh, there's a Patronus, then we would have had to be afraid of who was out there. Or maybe that would have been the goal, is to look for who was out there. Yes. Yeah, and he he briefly considers that maybe this is a bad idea. <laughs> but it feels good, so we're going to do it. Well, yeah, and, like, um, it's like, this doesn't look or feel like dark magic, right? It's pretty, and it's calling towards me. <laughs> And, like, I thought it was interesting that it was described as, like, Harry felt it was familiar. 
mm-hmm. and like he'd been sort of like oh i kind of knew this and i'd been waiting for this but i'd forgotten yeah that's what i mean by it's all very magical it's all very woo <laughs> well i guess my are we supposed to think that harry as a baby has seen this and, like, there is a legitimacy to a familiarity. Because the Patrona, because Lily's Patronus was right. a doe. But we know this is Snape's Patronus right. now. Right, right. I don't know that it's so much, oh, Harry actually saw it. I think it's a little more touchy-feely <laughs> and abstract in that it represents his mother. And yeah. that he somehow knows this. Yeah. I I get that. Yeah. So the good feelings overwhelm our caution. <laughs> Whatever caution we had. Well, this is how... Is that the third book? That he he does... He follows weird things at the lake with the Dementors. Didn't he... Because when they... Before they travel in time and Sirius is at the lake, he sees the stag. And he sees the stag oh. and he thinks he sees his dad. And so then when they travel in time, he's like, oh, I have to go find the stag slash my dad. Oh, wait, it's me. Oh, that is kind of funny. Oh, okay. Never in my life have I noticed that James is a stag and Lily is a doe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oops. So when you're, like, dating, do you just go around producing Patronuses so you find some of the match? Or do they line up after the fact? Well, whose goes to match whose? That's like picking an, a last name or something. No, they both become that. It's okay. mutual. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they didn't know how to do a Paternus until after they met each other. That's, that could be true. Harry's supposed to be rather talented in that regard. Yes. It does seem like a somewhat bad calling card, right? Like you can be very easily identified by your Patronus. I mean, I suppose other there's not there's a limited number of creatures, so maybe some people yeah. have overlap. But if you're trying Who? to be subtle, that's not the way to do it. Who's the first person we see who uses a Patronus as a messenger? Um, we pointed it out. <laughs> I know we did, but now I can't remember. Doesn't it come? Grimwald Place. Well, Arthur sends his, but that to Grimwald Place, but that's not the first time. No, but earlier in the it's before the seventh book, I think. Yeah, it was last. Oh, oh, was it when Tonks picked Harry up from the train last book because Harry was got in a fight oh we do see her send a message to someone but again i think it's before that i don't think it is you could be right i'm pretty sure that's it but because that was the start of the sixth book we don't see that before that book i wonder if the talking patronus thing is a bit of an order situation that they invented that or not necessarily they invented it, but it's not really done by a lot of people. But it's useful in their situation, I guess. Maybe. Because most people aren't, like, they can send owls. Yeah, it's not. 
probably the preferred mode of communication. But it's so pretty. It is. <laughs> Unless your Patronus is like a mouse or something. Yeah, then you probably should just keep that hidden. Don't go casting yeah. that very often. <laughs> anyway, we're chasing the silver doe through the forest, and it leads him to a pool covered in ice, in which lies the Sword of Gryffindor. Right. And you can't just get it out because apparently you have to show your Gryffindorness to get it. Yeah, summoning does not work. Except, is that... So, Snape... Spoiler, Snape put the sword there, right? <laughs> yeah. One, Snape is not a Gryffindor. He managed to have it. Two, did he intend... Like, was that just to protect it from someone random person coming along and picking it up? Or was he like, ooh, I need to create a challenging scenario so that you can show your bravery by swimming in your skivvies? I, like, don't, I, don't, I don't think that Snape sets up bravery-inducing scenarios for Harry. I think that's a Dumbledore thing. <laughs> I just don't quite get, like, why it's in the lake and why he can't not swim. Or no. I think I think you could argue that it's that maybe the sword itself does it. Right, the because, sword jumps in the lake. Well, <laughs> well, no, not the sword jumps in the lake, but perhaps something about the sword um, prevents it from being summoned or something like that. Because he's recalling the first time he got the sword and how, I mean, he pulled it out of a freaking hat. It, <laughs> right? It was a magical. Can we talk about sort of that? Situation, but the. Age-old magician's trick is to pull things out of a hat. Yeah, I guess I didn't, never really thought about that. Swords more useful than rabbits, yeah. I guess. So he, yeah, he's thinking about this the last time that he got this sword out. He says, "Well, you have to demonstrate. You have to be a true Gryffindor, daring, nerve, and chivalry." Which. You know, a reiteration of what makes a Gryffindor, I was like, maybe I've been a little too hard on Harry. He's just being a Gryffindor. That's just a label for what he is. It's not like... Insane people? (laughs) It's not like an excuse for that. He's... He's... Is still innately that. Just because it has a fancy name doesn't make it any better. But it's a heroic name, and everyone wants to be a Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah, somewhat blindly, heroism is great and all, but can... If everyone was like Harry, we'd all be uh, dead. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, at least a maximum a quarter of us are like <laughs> Harry. <laughs> but he demonstrates his daring nerve. Doesn't quite see how the chivalry plays in. And jumps into the freezing cold water I feel like Hermione would have done some sort of charm to keep herself warm or something yeah well and it's never really said but I guess I assume you know your magic you can get instantly warm and dry so I mean sure it's cold but it's gonna be over in a minute (laughs) yeah but he doesn't think that well he's just he's really good at the daring (laughs) and nerve just excels there so he jumps in the pool I took off all my clothes except, oh, this piece of Voldemort's soul, and now it's trying to drown me. 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe he couldn't have foreseen that, but still, were you really concerned yeah. that someone was going to come along and take it? You'd have bigger issues if someone was walking along there. That's true. Well, someone is walking along there, and he's pulled out of the pool by Ron, of all people. Yes, I mean, so we're made to assume that Harry was going to die right then and there. He's defeated Voldemort in the flesh mm-hmm. many a times, but that darn locket was going to get him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was drowning. I don't imagine Harry's a strong swimmer. I bet the Dursleys did not take him to swim lessons. Well, I think that kind of came up during the the late Triwizard Tournament. Oh, yeah. So Ron rescues Harry. And I like this then because it means Ron gets the sword. Yes, he proves right. his Gryffindor nature. Right, yes. So he rescues Harry and the sword. But really, how was Snape allowed to put it there? What do you mean allowed? Like, the sword let Snape handle it, move it. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, there's, it is like sitting in the office sometimes. Just on display. It just, oh, it sometimes demonstrates its magicalness by appearing from a hat. It doesn't resist all non-Gryffindors? I, I guess not. I mean, there's non-Gryffindor headmasters. I don't think the sword ran and hid. <laughs> Well, but they weren't trying to use it. Well, Snape wasn't trying yeah. to use it either. Um, so, I mean, we're having a, you know, awkward, tension-filled, confused moment between Ron and Harry. Ron does say that he saw the dough and s- sort of may have seen something that might have been the caster, but he kept following the dough. Yeah, so presumably Snape was hiding in the bushes. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's watching yeah, them was, right now. Okay, so if Ron hadn't come, would Snape have saved Harry in the lake? Ooh. He would have had to. Oh. Oh, man. Right? Unless Harry would be know. an idiot and, like, see Snape and trying to fight him off while Snape is trying to save him. Now I'm kind of sad that that didn't happen. Yeah, because, I mean, Harry would have thought Snape is still evil. He's public enemy mm-hmm. number one to Harry. So Snape would have been perceived as, like, saving him to capture him that, or to give him up. That could have been a whole other way this story goes. Is that Snape rescues him and we discover sort of, you know, Snape's true nature I don't now. think Harry would have believed it now, though. Okay, yeah, it definitely could have gone that way. <laughs> um, unless Snape would volunteer his memories, which I don't know that he would do. If so. Harry suggests, Ron, you got the sword. You should kill it. Yeah, he has another great feeling about this. Yes. Well, he even says that if Dumbledore were taught him nothing else, he did teach him about the incalculable... incalculable power of certain acts i I don't quite this is like magic on a non-academic level right that if it feels right 
It's probably right. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You don't think so? I mean, I get, like, Dumbledore is all about that kind of stuff, right? The sort of non-textbook, mm -hmm. more feely side of things. I don't get that overwhelming sense in this scenario. You don't think that Ron is destined to destroy the Horcrux? No. But the Horcrux is what drove Ron away, and this is him returning and conquering it. Yeah, I mean, was it the Horcrux, though, that drove Ron away? Well, he does. I mean, he talks about it in this chapter, right? Well, yeah, he says, like, because he's nervous about destroying it, that he's like, well, it affects me worse. But even still, if Ron had never been forced to wear the Horcrux, you don't think he would have left? No. I mean, it's not saying that the Horcrux completely imposed those feelings upon him. But it worked with what was there. Yeah. And made it the worst case possible, basically. But then Ron would have just been cranky all the time, but never had the nerve to do anything about it. Yeah, and we do have to cut him a little slack, because... Maybe he explains this in the next chapter, but he says that he wanted to come back as soon as he left. You know, he wasn't plotting his escape, but Ron finally agrees. Okay, fine. I'll be, I'll be the Harry in this situation <laughs> and destroy the Horcrux. It suddenly comes to Harry how to open the locket. Oh, yeah. To speak in parcel tongue. Because mm -hmm. it's a Sensible. Yeah. Um, and then behind the Horcrux is an eye. That's horrifying. Yeah, it got, like, kind of weird in there. And there were suddenly windows in this locket. I didn't... They kept talking about windows. And I was like, what? I think the windows refer to, like, each side of the locket. Like, as if you would put a picture behind the glass. But you can't see through them. No. But there's an eyeball on each side. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah, good. Because I don't think any of the other ones have a physical representation. Well, the diary did. But it's not like there was a finger in the diary. <laughs> I wish there was. <laughs> oh, because that's creepy. Yeah, this is a very creepy scene. Well, and it... If that's, are, is the soul just manifesting itself as those not pre-slit eyeballs? Or at one point did Dumbledore, or Dumbledore, Voldemort, like, carve out his eyeballs, put them in a locket, get some new creepy ones? That's how he got creepy Voldemort yes. eyes? Because he shoved his old ones in the locket? Yes. I, I don't know that you're going to find a lot of textual support for that, but I enjoy okay. it. Okay, so, but then the Horcrux fights back. And it, I mean, if this is it's explaining to you, the reader, what exactly it did to Ron, essentially. So I'm going to kind of just read, I'm going to skip around to what the Horcrux is actually saying. And it starts on 375 in my okay. book. I have seen your heart and it is mine. I have seen your dreams, Ronald Weasley, and I have seen your fears. 
All you desire is possible, but all that you dread is also possible. Least loved always by the mother who craved a daughter. Least loved now by the girl who prefers your friend. Second best always, eternally overshadowed. Why return? We were better without you, happier without you, glad of your absence. We laughed at your stupidity, your cowardness, your presumption. Who could look at you? Who would ever look at you beside Harry Potter? What have you ever done compared with the chosen one? What are you compared with the boy who lived? Your mother confessed that she would have preferred me as a son, would have been glad to exchange. Who wouldn't prefer him? What woman would take you? You are nothing, nothing to him. And then creepy Hermione and Harry kiss. Yeah, because there's like weird Voldemort images of them saying these yes. things. Do you feel properly sorry for Ron now? <laughs> I mean, sort of, and that this is the ongoing tragic Ron tale right Mm -hmm. back to the first book where he looks in the mirror and he sees himself the shining star amongst his siblings but not so much in the point because he's being ridiculous like okay sure this is like you know preying on that fear that he has and I get kind of having some of those irrational fears but it's it's also not the case. Like, his mother's not, doesn't want Harry, right? She just loves him too. That's fine. Don't get jealous mm-hmm. about that, Ron. And, like, I don't know. No one is over there fawning over Harry like that. Uh, he just needs to relax. <laughs> okay, I would argue that except for very few instances, he largely has. Like, these are understandable feelings and anxieties, but he mostly succeeds in being a very good friend to the smartest witch of her age and the chosen one. <laughs> so you're calling Ron the dud? No, I'm, I'm saying that in his situation, it's completely understandable that he feels that way. Like, it's it's it's... I mean, Harry and Hermione are two very talented people. And plus, you know, the whole enormous family thing. Youngest brother Mm -hmm. in a big family. Plus, you know, he's gotten crap for being poor, right? And he's largely overcome that. Right? He has that, that one in the fourth book where he just can't take Harry in his spotlight anymore for a while. But other than that, he really does a pretty good job. Yeah. And it's... I mean, shouldn't he be... Like, I get it. Sure, that that makes sense. But also, couldn't you kind of buoy yourself? Maybe that's more of a, a Peter Pettigrew kind of thing where you think you're really important because you're hanging out with those kids. Oh, that's good. That's a Peter Pettigrew move. Yeah. Yeah, that does not... That doesn't work for Ron. Which maybe is a, a reflection on his character, <laughs> is that he's not just there to bask yeah. in their glow. So, I mean, and, and we get this thing where Ron's eyes are flashing red. 
And we're a little concerned he's going to stay right. here. He's like kind of possessed, maybe. And but then he finally does destroy the locket. Hooray! We've finally done it. <laughs> it only took us half a book to find one Horcrux and kill it. We didn't even. F- yeah, yeah. But then, like, yeah, Harry sort of tries to be like. I hope you know I don't have a thing for Hermione. <laughs> you can have her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, speaking of Hermione, they go back to the tent. Hermione is not impressed. <laughs> She's still rather angry at Ron. Yeah. I mean, and and we get this thing, like, she runs after him and begs him to come back. She's not being, like angry sullen cold Hermione at the moment when he's leaving she's being entirely emotionally vulnerable and he still leaves yeah but he's not impressed with saving Harry's life no or his you know he's like trying to recount how he didn't have an easy time of it either and it's like really really Ron we almost died but you lost two fingernails because you splinched yourself Oh, yeah, so he wants to come back immediately, but he runs into a gang of snatchers. Yeah, rounding up. Because apparently muggles don't go outside, just wizards do. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. They thought that he might be a muggle born on the run. Yes. Though, this seems to be like the only character that we know that's of somewhat similar age from the wizarding world that doesn't go to school and because he tries to say that he stands Shunpike. Yeah. Oh, that's not quite believed, but he does manage to disarm them and escape. So now he has he brings back a wand for Harry. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And then he would kept saying how he was like listening to the radio and he so he knew they were alive. And he went back to the campsite, but he obviously couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. So now Ron is hunting Harry and Hermione. Yeah, well, and then on Christmas morning, he hears Hermione's voice coming out of his pocket. Right, from the Deluminator. See, this is another kind of weird thing ethereal sort of mystical thing that's happening yeah because now there's like little energy orb from the deluminator that goes inside of ron and leads him to where he needs to be yes yes so he when he hears that name christmas morning is the first time they say his name yes after he left and they were talking about how Harry's wand is broken and they're referencing when Ron's wand was broken. Right. Yeah. And so I guess much like Harry, he just follows the magic light because it feels good. Yeah, I, I mean, what, <laughs> if there's a little light telling you what to do, you got to trust it. Yeah. I mean, and and then he also tells us about the, oh, sorry. So the light tells him where to apparate mm-hmm. to. But then he's just like waiting for them to come out. 
yes, he figures they're going to have to show themselves when they leave. Right, because then the, all the spells are down. But they don't. Mm. Because they've been disapparating yes. under the cloak. So, I mean, he keeps kind of following them around every day. Until he's, you know, Harry comes out because of the dough. So then Ron also lets us know about the name taboo. Yeah. Fortunately, Hermione and Harry have just kept up with the practice that Ron instilled not to say the name. Well, and he points out that, I mean, that's a pretty good trick, right? Most people don't say the name. The folks that are saying the name are probably the people you want to get. Yeah, because everyone knew knew that Mm -hmm. Dumbledore said it. So. So then they're talking about the dough again. And Ron suggests that maybe Dumbledore sent the dough. Yeah, which, one, Dumbledore's Patronus is a phoenix. See, it's very telling, your Patronus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Harry, like, you know, right, we sort of have had these mystical moments, but Harry's like, no. Like, Dumbledore is dead and gone. There's no question in that. Yeah. But Ron insists, well, you never know. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing when he gave me the Deluminator that I would leave. Yeah, and Harry says, no, he knew you would come back. Yeah. I don't know that we can come up with a a rationale for this thing. I think you just have to accept it as a, a lovely storytelling device that is used to illustrate Ron's character. Well... Okay, so the Deluminator then, it allows you to connect with those that you love? I mean, what is it? Or leads you to your heart's yeah, desire? What, what does it or... actually do? I mean, I, I don't know. And is it like specially modified just for Ron? That seems, no, it seems like it would be whoever it's has it it's possessor but then like okay because it's a little hard to imagine that this very specific scenario was envisioned and planned for by Dumbledore but maybe all right can we like broaden it out would there be other scenarios where maybe still Ron in particular might need this or use this yeah, I feel like someone smarter than me can think of this, but I, I, I did, I couldn't really come up with, so what is the the general thing that the Deluminator does that Dumbledore thought would apply to Ron? Yeah, well, so Harry, like Harry's main goal is to sort of charge ahead and fight evil, and Hermione, I don't know, is sort of the be smart and supportive but Ron's thing is sort of he does this stuff because he cares about his friends and family right so he's there to support okay. Harry yeah. 
You know, he's not really adding a whole lot. Like, he's not he's not leading the charge on the quest, but he's going to support his friends. And he's, like, supporting this in general, too, because, like, his family does this, and he's on that team, and he's protecting all of those people, too. His special skill set is a willingness to do things that other people yeah, want. Yeah, and, like... Yes, right, so he's Gryffindor and all that, but he's, I feel like he more so is, in some ways, is doing it for other people. Like, because he feels that more yeah, intimately, you know, he, he mm-hmm. has this wizarding family that he likes, and they like him, right? <laughs> you know, he has these <laughs> friends that may overshadow him, but he still is there with them and supporting them. So I feel like that somehow is important, right? He's He has this relational connection, and that's sort of what drives him more than the mm-hmm. evil casting fight that more so, especially Harry, like that's kind of his motivation. So the Deluminator, mm-hmm. I don't know, like allows him to con- like make those connections across time and space so maybe Dumbledore envisions a scenario in which like Ron is separated by some means not necessarily Ron was driven away by a horcrux and and left I mean I don't think it's like okay this is made for Ron and Hermione's voice will come out of it it's like you know again that sort of like your heart's desire kind of thing and Ron wanted to be reunited with them and he feels especially so with Hermione so maybe if he was like trying to find like maybe if he knew his family was in danger and he was trying to find them like it would lead him to them Mm-hmm. okay I mean it's not like I, I feel like it can't be nailed down quite as specifically as we might like but I think that's Okay, and he gave, so he gave Harry the, the snitch, that's super important. He gave Hermione the story, because she's smart enough to figure that out. Ron had to get something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it turns out, obviously, to be of utmost importance, because we considered the fact that Harry would die if Ron doesn't return, so. So, we also get a little bit of discussion in this chapter, which is, I think, some foreshadowing about how the Blackthorn Wand that Ron brought back for Harry doesn't seem to work yeah, very well for him. We don't really Harry's been using Hermione's wand. Not that he's been doing a ton of magic, mm-hmm. but you don't get any comment about how that doesn't really work for him. So is it because the Blackthorn wand was taken by force but not but Harry wasn't the one that took it by force versus like I borrowing? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because really, yeah. Ron is the master just of the needs Blackthorn to wand. Ron. I guess. They yeah. <laughs> they need to have a little duel. But he doesn't actually know this at this point. He's just kind of whining that he misses his wand and this one's crap. And Hermione insists that he's crazy. Yeah, because it's the power is not in the wand. The power is in the wizard. You just need to hone mm-hmm. it through this wand. Which... 
I mean, is she right? Is it, does this question get answered? Because obviously Elder Wand is powerful, but is it? Oh. I mean, because this is, this is setting us up for, though, who is master of the Elder Wand and disarming Draco. Yeah, but is the Elder Wand kind of actually more powerful? Yes. I don't think it's an unbeatable. It's obviously not unbeatable, I don't think. It doesn't make you undefeatable. All these people have died so, who've had it. At least in the story, how it's set up is that it is. Like, if you're dueling with your wand, you will always win. Someone can still come and knock you out. Like, it's not an impenetrable shield if you're holding on to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I guess I've, I've thought it had, like actual magical power but perhaps probably not to the level that is claimed by the story yeah i mean the other items are sort of proven to be true so you would assume that there's truth to the wand but yeah they're, they're also just kind of true-ish okay i mean okay. we'll get to the story we can discuss the nature of the hollows but okay um so now that the trio is back together now we're back to we have no plan except that Hermione notices that the A in Albus's signature of the letter in Rita's book is a Deathly Hallows symbol right which they have seen this is now the third occurrence of this fourth occurrence so we saw it at the wedding we saw it in the book we saw on the gravestone now we see it that Dumbledore Mm -hmm. knows about it yes so they decide to go see Mr. Lovegood and hope that he he can explain this sign Hermione decides this or knows that this is important again Harry would have been wandering around not doing squat had it not been for Hermione Okay, this is her lead. She knows she doesn't mm-hmm. quite know what it is, but she knows it's important. Also, I love Ron after he comes back because he has some great one-liners, and just the way he interacts is like the bright spot in these couple chapters. And he's totally mm-hmm. like, "Oh, let's vote! I vote with Hermione." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. He's sucking up good. So, I guess overruled, they go. Harry agrees, and they go to see Xenophilius, who is acting weird. Now he's a weird dude. Yeah, but he doesn't really want to help Harry, even though he has been promoting how mm-hmm. everyone needs to help Harry in the Quibbly. Yeah. Hermione, of course, points out that you have an incredibly dangerous rumpet horn just okay, so tacked this, to your wall. Like, and he claims, no, it's something else. It's a crumple horn snore crack or something. Was that a trick of some sort? Because it sounded like he kind of pretty recently got it. Yeah. 
I don't think so, but yeah, it, it does. It almost seems like well, if this mm-hmm. is new, like maybe it has some plot significance. But mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think so. So he there. We point out the horn because we're going to use that later. He apparently he goes to get Luna, right? Who's she's supposed just to be home fishing. on Christmas break. <laughs> yes, Luna's a great fisherwoman, and we also notice this replica diadem of Ravenclaw. Okay, this kind of confused me because like there's the bust, but then it was sort of talking about this, but I thought there was carrots and all sorts of weird things on it. Yes, it is. There's all sorts of weird things. And I don't remember exactly, but I think we're mentioning this just because, like, there's something in Harry's brain thinking about this fake diadem that makes him remember what he saw in the Room of Requirement books ago and go and get and gets the real diadem. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, like, it doesn't have any actual connection. It's just, like, triggers something in his brain at the right moment. Mm, okay. Oops. So after he returns from supposedly getting Luna, they ask about Grindelwald's sign. Yeah, and he's like, well, obviously it's the Deathly Hallows, you know, and you wear, I thought this was interesting, you wear it to show that you believe in it. And so that mm-hmm. other believers can, you can identify each other to aid each other in the quest. If you are trying to find the Deathly Hallows, do you really think you're giving your information to other people that are trying to find the Deathly Hallows? <laughs> I mean, this just rings like, of course this is what he says. Because this is the kind of crazy nonsense that this man would be into. Yeah, that is set up really well. Like, this is an important thing that is ever, most people think is make-believe. And pretty much everything he thinks is make-believe. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he says that it comes from the tale of the three brothers. Hermione's like, well, I got that. Let's read a story. Then don't forget, she's reading in ancient runes that's true that's impressive yeah because he she knew that class yeah, she expects handy. or he expects everyone to at least know what they are and no one does mm-hmm. well ron's heard the story but it doesn't say the deathly hollows in the no, story it's the three brothers mm-hmm. so the three brothers i mean it's a very fairy tale story yes. right clearly highly symbolic right there are three brothers three wizards who reach a river and they decide to cross this river you know using their <laughs> magic bridge because uh-huh. i'm a wizard when halfway across the bridge death appears right because it's a fairy tale <laughs> yes death feels cheated that these brothers didn't drown so he cleverly offers them gifts mm-hmm. yeah this word it starts feeling very symbolic right so the first one mm-hmm. he wants a powerful wand so he can defeat all others in death so death goes and mm-hmm. makes him an elder wand 
And the second one wants the power to bring back people from the dead. So he goes and gets him a stone. Says, there you go. But the third, like the th- <laughs> three little pigs. <laughs> yes. Um, ask, not even specifically, but ask for something that would allow him to not be followed by death. So mm-hmm. death takes off his cloak of invisibility, sadly, and gives it to the third brother. That doesn't go so well for them. No. Pretty much immediately the first one duels someone, kills him, gets drunk and tells everyone about it, and then gets his wand stolen yeah, and see, murdered. You can steal one in his sleep, and then he just cut his throat. Yeah. So, so the so death claimed the first yes. brother for his own. Conveniently, the second brother had the dead wife that he missed, so he brought her back. Mm-hmm. Wasn't cool, but it doesn't right really not quite bring her the back. same. Like sad half life lady drives him mad, mm-hmm. so he decides to join her on the dead side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the dead side, yes. So Death claims the second brother for his own. Third brother, a little wiser. Lives his... It's always the third. You always want to be the yeah, third. Yeah, never go first. No. He just runs around invisible to everyone, mm-hmm. including Death. I didn't think about it that way. He's, he's just an invisible person. I really don't know if that's the most fulfilling life either. Uh, okay. But eventually he chooses when to relinquish his cloak and and meet death like an old friend yes and i mean so that's the story xenophilia says i mean those are the deathly hollows possessing all three will make you the master of death what that's interesting that so the story is right like that each brother sort of I don't maybe that's not how it's portrayed like but shouldn't they each individually in some way make you master of death well each one was attempting to be master of death so if you put three bad ideas together you become master of death (laughs) I guess I mean even Xenophilius says well I mean the story is a story just to entertain rather than instruct but it refers to real objects how but those things don't make you a master of death like you are not no <laughs> you are not you're going yeah, to you're die not live forever if you're hidden with a powerful wand and you can bring back your pals like that resurrection mm-hmm. stone i mean maybe Plus, if you die, you can't resurrect yourself. So. Yeah, but I don't. I I agree. I don't think Xenophilius. I think Xenophilius would call you a very narrow-minded girl. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> right. I think he thinks it would somehow make you the master of death because someone told him that. And that seems like the kind of thing that just seems right to him. Yeah, and... Okay, so we do, like, we've already 
known about the Sorcerer's Stone, isn't that a simple one-trick actual Master of Death? Uh, yeah, I suppose that's really the closest you get outside of an accident. Doesn't prevent you from an accident or murder. Yes, yes. So, but I mean, Hermione is unimpressed as well. <laughs> she says, um, what are you talking about? Invisibility cloaks are mm -hmm. everywhere. But he does point out that this invisibility cloak is a perfect invisibility cloak. Right. Other ones have charms or they use some other weird things that kind of it fades over time or spells damage it mm -hmm. and then they're all like hmm we have a pretty good invisibility cloak <laughs> yep I mean she says the elder wand that's stupid the power of the wizard blah 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 except there is a history of a powerful wand. Yes, under different names. Yes. But Xenophilia says, I mean, the Elder Wand can be traced through history because it's had a bloody and sensational mm -hmm. past. Lots of murdering. Yeah, because people like to show off that, oh, by the mm -hmm. way, you know, I'm better than you because I have this magic stick that's better than your magic stick. <laughs> Yes. Uh-huh. And she's particularly annoyed about the idea of a resurrection stone. Xenophilius' response is, prove that it doesn't yeah. exist. Which I can just see that the eyeballs just bulging out of her skull. Because that is ridiculous. Then everything is true. If you can't prove it's not true, you can't test every stone. And then he's like, no, well, now you're catching on. <laughs> everything is yes. true. <laughs> yeah but they can't come up with an, an analogous thing to the resurrection stone no just that you can't prove it's not true <laughs> and she does ask though about if the Deathly Hallows have anything to do with the Peveril brothers right because that's the tomb she saw it on and he's like oh why yes <laughs> Because they are presumed to be the actual original owners. But they they mm -hmm. created it. Not. I think even Xenophilius would yeah, say that they not created them. Given to them by the Grim Reaper. Yeah. And then, I mean, they're talking about it and this idea of well, which, it's obvious which one is best comes up. And of course, they all <laughs> think a different one is best. They're not listening Hermione to the story. Is. She chooses well, yeah. correctly. So, yeah, Hermione says the cloak is best, Ron says the wand is best, and Harry says the stone is best. Yeah, I mean, Harry sort of makes maybe the, a reasonable case because he knows a lot of people that have died. Didn't Doesn't really care that about the half-life thing. Yeah, that didn't appear to sink in. Ron is just impressed by the power, wants to boost his abilities. Mm -hmm. He says that he would not go around singing like a prat that he had an unbeatable Hermione wand. doubts this <laughs> I think we all do yes and Hermione even points out 
even though she doesn't believe in the Deathly Hallows, how useful their invisibility cloak has been. Yes. It's not just to run away <laughs> from death. It's very helpful in adventuring. So now Xenophilius disappears again. I was just saying yeah. that, again, halfway through the book, this is the first time Deathly Hallows has been named. <laughs> we just discovered... Yes that name and sort of what they are this chapter is the first chapter appearance of the words <laughs> the deathly hallows yeah so you gotta imagine like you're reading it the first time and you're like <laughs> finally yeah and you're also now like, wait what because yeah. here we are reading a children's story about some funky not questionable objects that maybe are cool and you could spend your life hunting if you want to be like Zeno. Except that the reader is clearly on Xenophilius' side because the the book is titled The Deathly Hollows. We know that this has to be a real but thing. I mean, right? I guess. We, okay, we probably think it's a little different than exactly <laughs> what he thinks it is. Yeah. But. And we know, we feel like, well, obviously his cloak is the cloak. It's insanity yeah. to think anything else. Yeah. As a reader. But it still doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> well, we still have got some, some ways to go. Because we, we have... No... I mean, we have a tiny clue about the Elder Wand and that we've been interested in wand makers mm -hmm. and such. But we don't even know that the thing that was stolen was a wand. No. Yeah, it seems obvious now, but you're right. We don't know that. And I yeah. mean, Harry is still on, would be on board with this, right? He was hard, like he's sad about his wand being gone. He feels like other wands aren't as good as his wand. His wand kind of protected him a few times. So he could believe that. Mm-hmm. Xenophilius disappears, I guess, to get Luna once again. And they wander up into Luna's room. And it's horribly yeah, she's, sad. Like, painted their pictures on the wall and wrote, like, like you doodle in your notebook and wrote friends over and over and over again. And you're like, oh, gosh. Luna's very lonely. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really strike you as sad about that in the books, right? She's just sort of, like, in her own world and, you know, not too concerned when people bully her or whatever. But then you mm -hmm. see this and you're like, oh, those... Because it's not like they had that many interactions with her. I mean... I think Ginny mm -hmm. has more. I'm pretty sure Ginny's in this picture. Yeah. yeah. I never. But you be nice to her a couple of times. I mean, I guess, you know, they went through that whole Ministry of Magic Department of Mystery Things. That, I could see mm -hmm. bo being bonded by that. But that it means that much to her. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it is uncomfortable. But I think you're right in that she doesn't she doesn't feel maybe the typical teenage 
sadness or something. Mm-hmm. It's a little different with Luna. Like, she's not an idiot. But I also think certain things don't get to her in the same way that it does others. Not that she doesn't have Yeah, feelings, I mean, she's but... she's content in her uniqueness and isn't too bothered. But clearly appreciates yeah. when folks are nice to her. Yes. And, you know, I wonder if it would even bother her that she considers them better friends than they consider her. I wouldn't be surprised she knows that and is fine with it. Yeah, I mean, she knows that Ron and Harry and Hermione are all pal around and she does it. (laughs) Yeah. But her room is clearly not been used. Right. And, oh... Look at this quibbler we're printing. It says undesirable number Mr. one Harry on Potter. it. Oh, something is not quite right. Yeah. So Hermione questions him, and we gather that Luna has been taken because of what he's been printing in Though, the quibbler. It's not entirely clear here. There's some suggestion that the ministry has taken her. I mean, I guess the Ministry and Voldemort are sort of one in the same now, but, mm-hmm. like, because, you know, because of what he's been publishing and all that, it's not necessarily that, like, oh, we got Luna because we think she's talking to Harry Potter. No. It's as, it's as leverage yes. over him. Yeah. To make him shut up. Which is, that's sad. And it's not even really about, like, you know, because we've yeah. heard that Luna is maybe causing some trouble at Hogwarts, too. Mm-hmm. But no, it is it is retaliation and leverage yeah. over her father. So Xenophilius tries to hold them there in the fray. A spell, of course, hits that horn <laughs> that we pointed out. And, oh, by the way, the Death yeah. Eaters are here. It exploded. He summoned them. And this is where, like, it's, this is kind of horrible, too. Like, now we feel bad for him. Worse, we don't mm-hmm. really know what the story is with Luna. And so, we, and he's already, this is someone who his wife has died. And this is all mm-hmm. he has. So, there's a little bit of sympathy in that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the Death Eaters are saying, like, Apparently he's called them before, like trying to come up come up with something that will get him Luna back, and they're like, "Boy, you better have something this time, or we're gonna send you her finger yeah. in a box, basically." Which is, thank goodness them for Hermione. <laughs> yes, yes, thank goodness yeah. for Hermione. She has the wherewithal to try and protect him and Luna a little bit. She like blows mm-hmm. the whole. Like, blows up the house even more so that they they're falling so the death eaters mm-hmm. can kind of see them hopefully so at least they know he wasn't lying before they get out of yeah. there mm-hmm. yep and i think at this point they speculate that she's an ask band yeah because like no she's not but yeah i don't know do death eaters use prisons Well, they, I mean, they yeah, control Azkaban now. Do they bother with that? <laughs> well, I would think that 
we we hope that she is really alive to be used mm-hmm. as leverage as you know but we don't know i think we will see her soon i mean those are the ends of our chapters what is next Okay, so next time is 22, 23, and 24, which are okay. the Deathly Hollows. Um, which, what else are we going to discover about them that we were titling this chapter The Deathly Hollows? I don't know. Maybe we'll just talk about it more. I do think it's, like, you get Maybe. it with this story, and it came up with something else, like old superstitions or something, that Ron is like, yeah, I don't you guys know these things? And it's like, uh, no, we were raised by muggles. And so I, I just like, again, it's sort of like as the small piece of a whole universe that she's created where there's there's mm-hmm. story and lore and superstitions and sayings and all of that that are unique to a magical world. Yeah, well, like the Elder Wands are bad luck. Yes, you know, versus like, I don't know, what's like, don't step on a crack. Break your mother's back. Yeah, break your mother's back. Yeah. He lists a couple other yeah. ones too, right? Like Jinx by Twilight, Undone by Midnight right. or something. And Yeah. Yes. And he always looks at them like they're idiots. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really, besides his, you know, relational status, that's kind of in some ways what Ron brings to the table. I mean, Hermione knows more because she reads but like he is was brought up and all of this wizardingness is innate to him that in a way mm-hmm. that it never quite will be for Hermione and Harry sure uh okay 23 Malfoy Manor <gasps> so i believe luna will be there we might not see her yet no maybe not Malfoy Manor and the Wand Maker. There we will see her. Yep. Oh boy, it's nonstop mm-hmm. really now. I think we were surprised like how many chapters it took in the beginning for us to like get going. We didn't yeah. quite remember that, but now it's just thing after thing after thing. We're barreling towards the end even though there's quite a few chapters left i suppose like the climax is very long yes obviously yes, in this many book. a chapter so yeah oh i can just imagine myself reading it for the first time <laughs> just turning and turning and turning and turning there. yeah okay well join us next time for that in the meantime you can follow us on twitter at weird sisters pod and if you'd like to rate and review us on itunes that would be appreciated and we'll talk to you next Bye. week goodbye <laughs>